Aloha. You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, Hawaii edition. Today, I'm joined with my wife and business partner, Chelsea, and we're going to talk about how to work with your spouse. So stay tuned. James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now with over 800,000 downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. All right. Hello, James Wedmore here, and thanks for tuning in to the Mind Your Business podcast. This is the continuation of the Hawaii sessions. I'm here in beautiful Hawaii. I'm off on the big island and I'm with my wife, Chelsea, some of our family. And I'm actually joined again. We all have the privilege to have my beautiful wife on the show with us here today. Chelsea, how you doing? Aloha. I'm doing great. Good. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. I've dragged you on yet Another episode taking you away from your relaxing holiday to talk about a very important topic, something I think that's near and dear to us, which is working with the one you love. Now, before you skip and go to the next one, we are speaking directly to those who either work with their spouse or loved one or are thinking about it. However, You, as an entrepreneur, might be married and your spouse does something else, but you still find that there are some challenges, challenges in communication and understanding, because what you do is so different and can be time consuming at times and, you know, give you tons of free time at other times. And so there's challenges either way. So I'm going to invite you no matter what to stay and listen, because I think we've got a ton of great insights and observations based purely on our experience. It's been how long now, Chelsea? Two years and a few months. And a few months since we first started working together. And here is the first thing I'll say going into this before we get to just some like advice and stuff. I wouldn't really recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's my first piece of advice. It's kind of like you know, Chelsea and I don't have kids right now, but we so many friends that do, and we always ask them what it's like, and you know, especially watching close friends with their newborns the first year or two can be really challenging. And they talk about all the things that are just like they're like, say goodbye to your health, say goodbye to your sleep, say goodbye to free time. You can't do what you want anymore. You know, poopy diapers, all that stuff. But it's the best thing they ever did. But it's amazing. <laughs> They don't really understand what that's like on the receiving end for someone who's like thinking about kids and you just listed a dirty laundry list of a hundred things that you hate and like, but it's amazing. However, I can imagine even though like having kids is completely different, that is probably how Chelsea and I would describe working together. It's more work. It's challenging. There's more obstacles and we'll get to how and why that's possible. But at the end of the day, it's amazing. Like it really is. And the number one thing, and I know this resonates for so many people, entrepreneurship can be lonely, but that loneliness takes different forms. For me, that loneliness was 
realizing every day, no matter who you hired, no matter who was working with you, no one cared about this business as much as you did. And that is lonely. That is being profoundly misunderstood or just not understood at all because there's this thing that you love, that you have committed your entire being to. It has consumed you day and night for years and there's no one else on the planet that feels the same way about this thing. And for the first time in my life and in the history of this business, I have someone right there beside me who cares just as much about it as I do. And that's why it's amazing. That's why I wouldn't trade it for anything else because to share that is amazing. To share that with someone you love is truly extraordinary. So there were some bumps and challenges, but when we reach this place where we are now, it's, I couldn't ask for anything more. I also feel like before we get into some of these tips and strategies that, you know, we learned, we, Chelsea and I did, I don't know if you remember what the advice was given to us, but we did some premarital counseling right before our wedding. Our counselor said something, said, he asked us, you know what the number one reason why couples fight is the number one topic. Do you remember what that was? No, I fail. (laughs) Yeah. Good thing there wasn't a quiz at the end. It's money. The number one topic for uh, fighting or problems, source of conflict in a relationship is money, money issues. And that's why I think (laughs) with entrepreneurship and like married couples working together, it can be really challenging. And we had the very fortunate opportunity that Chelsea came on after the business was already very established and very lucrative. So we'll get into that in a minute. But if you're starting fresh with someone and you're like married and you guys are like living out of a, you know, shoestring budget, that's going to be a much different conversation and journey than ours was, you know, and I think we just to be fully transparent, we have to say that. But here's the last thing I'll say too, which I think has been really cool is as you know, we run a mastermind group and there's about 18 different businesses in there and all but one business is married, but I would say, but I would say more than half, like 50 to 60% of the members work with their spouse. Really fascinating. And that's why we were like, oh, we've got to do this episode and we've been wanting to do it for a while. And I, I finally am able to trap Chelsea because she's here in Hawaii with me with nothing else to do. So let's get into it. Let's talk about it. First of all, Chelsea, what's the first thing that just comes to mind for you? If you're sitting there, sitting across the table from a husband and wife team and they already are working together, like what would be your biggest advice or takeaway? Well, I think that the most important commitment you have to make to one another when working together is that the relationship comes first. We decided that pretty early on and it has served us immensely well the entire time because when it comes down to it, anytime you and I make a decision or have a disagreement, we know that our shared objective, no matter what, is that our marriage comes first. This was especially important for me because I think the first half of running my business, the business came first. The business came first before me, you know, early on, definitely, like came before my health and my sanity. And I definitely moved into a place of much more like lifestyle and me first, but to be able for us to like 
stick that stake in the ground and declare that our marriage and us, you and me, is number one was just so important because disagreements are inevitable, issues are inevitable, conflict, whatever. And when we're constantly reminded, like, none of this is going to get in the way of what we said to each other that day we said, I do. That was huge. That was really important. Well, so for you, I wonder what that means when the relationship always comes first, because it's a great analogy to marriage in and of itself, like that you come to this agreement, if not during your wedding ceremony, at some point in your relationship that there's one common goal, which is to live a life together and enjoy it. And, you know, in some cultures till death do you part. So I'm curious though, James, what your idea of the relationship always comes first is. Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just a specific example, just to give more context. And this is recent when we were in living in New York for about five weeks and we were very intentional. And this was you know, really Chelsea's intention first and foremost, because we had a very go, go, go first half of the year. And so this was intentionally time to take off. And she noticed very early on that I was still doing some work. You know, I'd spend a couple hours on the laptop and she pointed that out to me. And I think an older version of myself, like if I was just dating someone and we decided to go somewhere together, I'd be like, no, I got to do what I got to do. And this is my thing. Like, leave me alone. I'd kind of be a little more of a jerk, but it was like an immediate course correction. It was like, you're right. We're here for a reason. I need to be much more present, much more intentional. It was just like an easy decision to go like, okay, yes, us first. So that's like one example where I think other times in my life, it's been easy to let business be the excuse why I'm doing what I'm doing. And today it's the purity and quality of relationship that we crave and strive for that determines what I'm doing. It's almost like just flipping it. It's like, how is the business, you know, serving us instead of how am I being of service to my business? Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I'd like to add that when I think of the relationship coming first, I think of that balance. I think that I can be a little tightly wound. And if I'm in the throes of frustration, you remind me that it's not that moment of frustration is not worth the happiness of our marriage and that I need to or that I, you know, that you encourage me to take a step back so that the business doesn't consume us. It doesn't cloud whatever we're going through otherwise. And it can easily be that all-consuming experience where the rest of your life takes a back seat and you're not enjoying it, you're not grateful for it. So I guess what I'm ultimately getting at is that we're grateful that we get to work together. We keep that in mind. We're grateful for the experiences we get to share and that it's all in service of our marriage and partnership. Absolutely. Now, something else was how Chelsea came to work with me. Now, notice I say with me, not for me. And I think this is really important. So I don't know, Chelsea, if really quickly you want to touch upon this. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. But you weren't exactly fulfilled in your previous endeavors. And I just immediately saw an opportunity to be like, get out of that and just come play in the business. Like it was just, you know, we were still 
we were engaged, but we weren't married at the time. Can you just speak to that briefly? Yeah, I was really hesitant actually to come work with you. I knew I wanted to be involved in the business, but I really wanted to keep it separate from my own career and just to kind of dabble in what you were doing. And I think you asked me multiple times before I actually conceded, but I was very unhappy. I was in a very unfulfilling work experience and I didn't know how I could possibly contribute to what James does. And so I resisted. And when I ultimately did quit my other job and I just wanted to sort of be a fly on the wall in the business and see where I might fit in. Well, that didn't happen. (laughs) It was like week one. You were like mile long to do list. So I came in during a launch. Actually, I quit my job very suddenly because I hadn't, you know, I'd had it and I came into the business during the second launch of a product and I picked up in customer support because it was the easiest thing I could step into. And I then had, a that's a really actually great place for most employees or people coming into any business to start because you're on the front lines. And so I really got to see where there were weaknesses in the business. And what had happened right before I came on was that James had tripled I'm speaking about you like you're in the I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> I, you had tripled your revenue and scaled the business very quickly in a very short amount of time. And so the business, the way it operated when it was just you and like two other employees had outgrown that infrastructure. And so that was kind of my shiny moment. I looked at it and I was like, oh, we need to operate on a whole nother level. And I didn't have any experience doing that, but that is in my wheelhouse. So that's where I started. Yeah. And I think it's really important to really stress this is I didn't give Chelsea a job. I wasn't like, okay, well, there's an opening in our customer support team. It pays this, blah, blah, blah. And this is the biggest no-no, I think, I could offer here, some of the biggest advice is that when you've created a role where this is your partner in life, but your employee in the business, you're going to have problems because we cannot, let's just not fool ourselves. We cannot compartmentalize. It all spools over or, you know, permeates your entire life. There is no clear defined boundaries. So if there was this relationship all of a sudden where I have to be her boss and I have to manage her, that affects the relationship. So really what it was is here's this thing called a business. Go jump in. Get your feet wet. If you want to play around in support, it's a great place to learn the ropes and let's just keep playing And that was the big invitation is like, you just, you're going to learn by doing, just take on stuff. And then what Chelsea did, now this is my interpretation of her experience that she just shared, is she started looking for the messiest, or she just started noticing, uh, she didn't have to look that hard, the messiest areas in the room. And she just kept attacking those. And this is where immediately I was like, this is awesome because there's someone who, isn't avoiding the messes like an employee might be like, I don't want to do that. That's not very exciting. She was like, whoa, the business needs this. And this is someone who's like, you see them quickly caring about it as much as you do. You know, I remember a conversation where you're like, okay, this makes sense. Like the better we make this business, the more effectively we get it to run, the more it grows 
the more we get to help people, the more money we make, and the more we get to continue doing that. And there was like this shift in you I saw that was like, wow, the more I kick butt at my job, you know, whatever it is I'm doing, the better everything's going to be. And then you went from, I remember when we were first starting dating, you, you know, Chelsea's big bookworm. It was like, oh, I couldn't ever read a business book or like a nonfiction book to save my life. Now she's just like reading a new one every single day. And she saw that. And that's what I was looking for is someone who wasn't an employee who's like, I'm just here to do my job. But someone who saw the same thing that I saw, which is like, the better you do, the better you perform, the more you do this and that, the bigger it gets and the better it gets. Well, on that note, I'd also like to pay you some compliments as far as giving me the patience or being patient with me in trying to seek that out, trying to figure out where I would land naturally in the business. You encouraged me to do what I wanted to do, and it just so happens I like messy corners and cleaning and organizing, but you've always let me know that that's not what I have to continue doing, and I so appreciate that. I do have breakdowns around it. Sometimes it overwhelms me, and you always say that, okay, we'll just outsource that. So I think there's one of the great things that you and I do that has come naturally is that we are always checking in with one another. Does this still suit us? Does this still work? Are you still enjoying yourself? Because the reason to have a business and run it yourself is to make sure that you're enjoying your life. Absolutely. And I was just listening to an old, old recording of a lecture by a gentleman by the name of Alan Watts. And this was recorded in the late 60s, early 70s. I mean, you know, they barely had tape recorders back then. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he said something at the beginning of this lecture. He said he's talking about business and he talks about how you've got to find a way to get paid to play. And the audience started laughing they laughed because it was such a foreign concept. Now today it's not, it's not as foreign, but it's something that I live by and I want my wife to live by and I want our team to live by and I want you guys to live by. And so that's what I wanted for Chelsea was to find her play within the business. So, you know, there's that word, that concept your unique ability or your zone of genius. And the only way you're going to find those things is through the work. So we just went in every day and did work and some things she loved and some things she didn't. And, you know, she is a bit of a masochist. So she started to really love the things that most people <laughs> don't. But what that really bled into is the next tip and pointer, which is to really get clear on the roles and that took time, but we were okay with that. And so there's something we share, and I've talked about it a million times on here, so we don't have to go into much detail, but I have previous episodes on this. But the role between the visionary and the integrator, and this all comes from a great book called Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman, right? This really helped us because we wanted to create that visionary integrator role between us. And we tried having me be the visionary, and Chelsea being the integrator, but something just kept feeling off. Like I kept reading through these chapters and the descriptions of visionary and integrator. And I realized that, yeah, I remember we were in New York and I was just like reading through the book and I was like, Chelsea isn't an integrator. She's also a visionary. And so what we've kind of created is, 
split this dichotomy of the visionary into the, almost the macro and micro visionary. There's the vision of there's certain areas of the vision that I focus on and there's certain areas that she focuses on. She focuses much more on the internal vision. Chelsea from day one has said, I want to run this business like a Fortune 100 company. That's a, a microscopic level or an internal vision versus you know, external, which, you know, we both, there's not necessarily a clear divide. You know, I think we both look at the macro and micro, but someone, each of us kind of lead that. And then what was so great about this is it allowed us to really bring up one of our other members of the team to become the integrator. But I think that's really important that your spouse should probably be up there in the visionary role with you, unless one of you really does sign off a hundred percent on saying, yes, I'm going to be the integrator you be the visionary. But those were really important that we had those conversations to get clear on our roles. Well, and initially I felt like I was an integrator. I wanted to be the integrator. It turns out I'm not cut out to be the integrator. It's really, it can be a very challenging role to take. But yes, you saw that I was more of a visionary when it came to running a company. For you to notice that that was a vision within your vision was really helpful because then I started to see my role differently as well. Mm -hmm. And what this has allowed for us, and this is something I really want to speak to is tension, <laughs> <laughs> but it's good tension. And there is such thing as good tension. Like I really truly honor this space between us where there is tension, because if left to my own devices, a super high visionary, i.e. the entrepreneur, has a million ideas, and they're a 100 feet off the ground, and they're always jumping, they're always a yes, like, yes, let's do that, and that, and that. And for the first time ever, I got someone saying, wait a second, sell it to me. Actually, you didn't even say that. You actually were like, a no, and then what I had to do was sell it to you. And it did one of two things. First of all, if I didn't do a good job of selling it to you, then we didn't do it. And then afterwards, in hindsight, I was like, wow, you know, if this wasn't a solid pitch for you, probably wasn't a good idea. And there was a lot of like ideas that were half formed ideas that you got me to either fully form them or abandon them. And that tension is amazing. Like to just be the entrepreneur left to your own devices and just be like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Like that's where most people, the problem they have, they're just completely overwhelmed with 15 bridges. And the fact that I have to sell myself or my idea to you every time. And some of those times, like you just bring up all these great arguments, like it's taking you away from this and how much time is that going to take and how much is that going to cost? And like to think that all the way through and then be able to say, yeah, but this and yeah, but that. And then to see your face go, okay, I like it. It's like so much better. It's like you just helped form the idea completely versus this like half thought out, you know, half grown idea. Well, and for you to have to confront the objections, I think, also helps us to get clear on what projects we're going to say yes to and what we're going to say no to. Because as we develop the idea, and while you're pitching it to me and I'm raising objections, the idea gets to be 
co-created by us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that tension is there, that friction, and I love it. And at times it, it looks like we might be arguing, but <laughs> maybe to the outside, but it really is like my passion for something and Chelsea's passion for something. For saying no. For passion, for being a dream killer. No, no, but it is, you know, when I recognized very early on that she'd only fight me on an idea because she cares so much about not just the business, but my time and energy. And she doesn't want me to regret doing something. So that's just beautiful. I mean, I love that. And today I just welcome it and encourage it. And like, hey, let me talk an idea out for you. Okay, let's talk about the next thing. And this is something we learned, which I loved from Ellen Bader, who's a good friend from the mastermind I'm in, but she is a therapist, a relationship psychologist to Fortune 500 companies and high level execs in Silicon Valley. And she's been doing it with her husband for over 30 years now. And she's just brilliant. And one of the things that she talks about is this concept of, I think it's called the 5149, which is really when you're making decisions with your spouse in the business or even just in life in general, have you predetermined who gets the final say and who is the final decision maker for specific areas? So when it comes to having the conversation or answering the question, so honey, what's for dinner tonight? Where do you want to eat? One person has 51% vote and the other person 49. So you can have that healthy debate. Well, I feel like this, I feel like that. But ultimately it's been predetermined or agreed upon that one person is ultimately going to make that decision. And when you've pre-agreed to that, I just think it makes things a little bit easier. And so there are areas within the business that Chelsea gets the 51% vote and there's areas where I do. And I think a great way to determine that, and I believe Ellen talks about this, is that whoever has that 51% majority share of the vote has to execute on it. So if you don't want to execute on something, you probably shouldn't be taking the majority vote on that. That's a really huge distinction. Yes, that if it's going to be the person it impacts more is probably the person that should have that 5149. Okay, so I think this is really great because if you find yourself kind of in a debate or a stalemate because you guys can't come to an agreement on something, can you decide who should get a 51% vote on this? Who gets 49 and why? And can you at least agree on that? Well, I'm trying to think right now if we've ever hit a stalemate. Have we ever not been able to figure something out? Because I believe that this, the way that this is set up somehow makes it easier to cooperate too. We know the few areas where we don't have a 5149, where we have a 50-50, and the way that 5149 compromise works enables us to communicate more effectively when we have something that is a total shared responsibility. I know there are some things that have just like organically, we've both decided <laughs> non-verbally that you've got the 51% vote. I think anything that has to do with our home, you're a way better decorator than I could ever be. And the home that we're looking at getting, all those decisions ultimately fall on you. It's like I have my two or three like wish list items and I'm like, these are the things I want and then everything else basically falls to you and and there's just zero problems with that, which is also beautiful because I think it also demonstrates trust. There's a lot of trust there that I don't have to like micromanage decisions that you want to make about 
what you want to buy for the home or how you want the home to look, you know, that's a great example of life outside of work. Now, one that does come to mind that I feel like this kind of takes us back to (laughs) that friction. I had an idea that I wanted to do and Chelsea was not a fan of the idea. I feel like I would probably in this case have the 51%. It was a workshop I wanted to run that I should have the 51%. However, even with her 49% vote, she made such a good argument. This is a great example of like, this is a workshop I wanted to do. And yes, it would have taken some time and some money and effort and all that stuff. And by the questions she asked and the points she brought up, it really like, I didn't get more lit up and fired about the idea. I got a little less inspired by it. And, you know, we joke that sometimes she's the dream killer, but she's killing the little dreams to preserve the bigger ones. We don't joke that you do. (laughs) Oh, that's just me. Hey, wait a second. I I liked what I just said, though. Like, sometimes we got to kill the little dreams to protect the big ones, right? So that's what we're doing there. So, yeah, this this is great. That's from Ellen. Having the 5149 in different areas. So, like, when it comes to things like branding, Chelsea has that 51. When it comes to things like you know, content creation and delivery and like coaching and stuff like that. It's on me because I'm the closest touch point there. When it comes to company culture, when it comes to operations, when it comes to hiring, that all falls on Chelsea. You know, I know I've had to make some good arguments to try and convince you otherwise, but it does always feel like it falls to your 51%. So the next thing we want to talk about is the biggest of them all. And that's just communication in general. I mean, it all comes down to communication. Communication is everything. Communication is so important. And it should be the number one thing that you're always trying to do is improve communication. And this comes down to so, there's just so many like topics that come sprout forth when we refer to communication. But I think the first thing that we want to discuss here and the most important in the realm of communication is being able to be fully transparent and communicate everything that you're doing with your spouse. This was something that was very hard for me early on because I was just making decisions in my head. That's the most challenging part going from the solopreneur to working with a team is like you have to think and talk out loud what it is that you're thinking and tell people why you're doing it. And it feels like it slows things down, but only at first. And so I was making decisions like buying stuff and doing stuff and just not telling Chelsea. She's like, did you just spend $500 on a new GoPro? (laughs) Like, well, yeah, because I wanted to film this. She's like, okay, maybe we should talk about these things. And, you know, as soon as we just started talking through everything, it wasn't about like, you need to get my permission or we have to agree on it. It was just about communicating it. So there's a mutual understanding and no surprises, especially because one of the dirty areas that Chelsea wanted to clean up was just tightening up the finances, like getting you know, all the expenses in order and clearly documented and, you know, organized. And so when there was stuff coming in that she didn't know what it was, so she didn't know how to code it, it was making her job harder. And so now that she'd had the conversation with me, like, oh, that's this, that's camera equipment. Okay, we'll put that here. We'll code it that way. It just started to make things better. So to have that transparency, to just let your spouse know what you're doing and why and talking through all those things is super important. Now, again, we could speak so much more to communication. You know, being able to communicate what you're feeling and what you're thinking is so important. One thing we learned very early on was how to make requests of each other. 
how to not make demands or how to make someone wrong, just how to make a request for something that you would like. Like if they do something that you don't like, like for example, if Chelsea doesn't like that I'm buying stuff or making big decisions without her, she could choose to get angry and attack, right? And be like, why are you doing this? Can't do that. You need to do this, blah, blah, blah. And that just puts the other person on defense, right? When you just say you need to do this and you got to do that, that's where this stuff gets yucky really fast. And so if instead Chelsea just simply goes, Hey, you know, part of my job is to effectively code, you know, every expense. And it really makes me feel like I'm in the know when I know all the big decisions that are being made. And when I know all the big purchases, I have a huge request. I am requesting that before you make these purchases or these decisions, that you're in communication with me. Now, that's it. It's just, this is the experience I've had. This is why this request is important. And here's the specific request. And it's as simple as saying, I am requesting that. Now, it's beautiful and it's really simple. Like you can just go around making requests all the time. But here's the most important thing, that there are three responses to that, right? Response number one is no, right? So the only other thing you could ever do is make a request. You can't force anybody. And if you try and force or make your spouse to do anything, whether it's in business or out, you're going to be in trouble fast, okay? So you make the request. They could say no. No, I will not do that. Okay, well, all you could have done is made the request anyways. So there's nothing else you can do, okay? You have to honor that they said no to your request. Number two is they will say yes. Okay, I do that. I will, And they will actually do that. Number three is they will say yes and they won't do it. Maybe they'll do it for a while and then they'll forget. With number three, it's important that you can't just all of a sudden get upset because you say, you said you would do this. You have to be able to remind them of the request and re-request it. Is this something you're still willing to do? Yes or no? Oh my gosh, yes, I totally forgot. Okay, great. I mean, it's a powerful tool for effective communication with your spouse in and out of business. Try it. Okay, let's talk about a few more things. You doing good? Yes. Yes. I think something that's really important, something that we weren't mindful of at first, is how crucial it is, especially if you have a team in person, that you always have a united front in front of your team. That if you guys are both the visionaries or the visionary and the integrator, you guys are the leaders. And if you know there's stuff from home that's coming to work or work disputes that haven't been settled in private that's going to cause a create a shaky ground for your team a lot of distrust and dis-ease and uncertainty i think it is the most important thing when it comes to leadership and company culture and the internal environment is that there is always a united front that if there's any disagreement or opposing opinions or anything that, that it's communicated away from the team that you guys agree early on that no matter how much we're mad at each other right now no matter how much we disagree no matter how much i hurt you you hurt me whatever that we discuss it in private and the team never knows about it that it has to be done in closed doors because that's the last thing that you want to do is cause any riff or any problems in front of the team, virtual or in person. Okay, and I think another thing that's just really important is 
you got to be able to turn it off. You got to be able to shut off the business. You got to leave it at work. That's one of the reasons why we have an office is so that I'm not bringing the laptop home. I'm not opening the laptop. I'm not working during dinner. There is a very clear delineation between when I'm working and when I'm not, when Chelsea's working and when she's not. And yes, we talk about business and this is a great distinction. I think it was Dr. Michaela who said this to me and I couldn't agree more that we can talk about business anytime we want if we're talking about what we're up to and what we're creating, if we're visioning. And that is one of the things that Chelsea and I love to do more than anything is go and go on walks and talk about what we're excited about, what we're creating. To me, that's not talking business. It's the type of like, here's what I had to deal with today and here's the problem and I got to solve this and what's that and blah, blah, blah. And can you believe that guy and this girl and blah, blah, blah. And that needs to like be very marginalized, minimized in your off hours time together so that you have time to just cultivate your relationship as a couple. So, you know, one of our favorite things is always talking about our future and that does include business, but that is light talk versus the heaviness of the day to day. Well, I think that goes back to why I want to take these extended periods away from the office too, because as business partners, we get to travel together. We get to take time off together. And being in New York City, the whole point was to have this opportunity for expansive thinking. So we talked about the business almost nonstop the entire time we were in New York City. We were doing business-related things, but we were not in the business. And that was a distinction for us. When we were on our honeymoon, for that matter, that's when we really decided about the division of labor in our business as well. I mean, the greatest things that have come from our vacations have been business ventures and decisions. I mean, that's a beautiful thing to really leverage. It absolutely is. And I think, I don't know where I'd be if you were doing something else and I was doing this alone because there's been so many wins and extraordinary experiences And for you to be on the outside like that, to not share those with me, would be so hard. And by the same token, the struggles. I mean, I think Mm. that it's the load is lightened by half or lessened by half knowing that I am alongside you. And to be honest, there are some times where I've seen you have some struggles and breakdowns and I smiled. I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not the only one, <laughs> you know, like, yep, yep. She, I've been there, done that. It kind of, I mean, it feels good, you know, like you get some negative rude comment in customer support or something and Chelsea will get all upset by it. I'm like, yep, that's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, it is good. So I wanted to give a disclaimer because anytime any person asks me what it's like working with James, I try to emphasize that while some people think we make it look easy and it has become easy, like we're constantly evolving. And that's the beautiful thing about it as well, is that there's no end in sight. There's no graduation from this. We're evolving as a couple. We're evolving as business partners. We get things wrong. We learn from our mistakes. We move on. Sometimes we have to learn from our mistakes multiple times. So this isn't for everyone, but it's also one of the most extraordinary experiences I've ever had. Yeah. And I know there are still many lessons for us to learn. We're definitely not experts, but we didn't give up and we kept working at it and just kind of would step away and say, okay, that doesn't work. Let's try this. 
And when we came from that commitment of our relationship first and a commitment for building a thriving business and the desire was there for both of us, we knew ultimately at the end of the day, we wanted the same things. We're on the same page. We're both smart people. We can figure this out. And I think that's always important that you're going back to what do each of you want? What's important to each of you? And you find a way for both of you to get what you want. So I hope this has been helpful. I hope for those who are already in business, there's something here you can take and run with. Maybe you listen to this with your spouse. Maybe your spouse doesn't work in the business, but you've been thinking about retiring them to come work with you. So if that's the case, that's awesome. Make sure you listen to this episode and have them listen to it so you're fully prepared. Be prepared for it to be a little rocky before it smooths out. And we wish you all the best. Aloha. Thank you. And we'll see you on the next episode. For 10 years now, I've made my living selling digital courses, membership subscriptions, and group coaching. I've been able to make millions of dollars. Yet even better, I've been able to help thousands upon thousands of students with my training. Yet I've never taught my system on how to actually get started. How to choose the right niche, the right product, the right tools, and the right plan. Until now. The information marketing industry is booming now more than ever. And if you've been sitting on the sidelines waiting to get in, well, now is your time. For the next eight weeks, I'm going to be delivering a brand new training course live showing exactly how to get started and get profitable, even if you have no list, no product, or no idea. And the best part is it's 100% free. All you have to do is request an invite to my private Facebook group. Every week, I'll broadcast a live, in-depth training with homework, action items, and of course, Q&A. So to request access to my private group now and join the training absolutely free, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash free. That's www.jameswedmore.com forward slash free. And I'll see you there.